Milan Govacar, distinguished VP at Gartner, says technological and organizational silos of application development, automation, integration, and governance will become obsolete. Application development instead will shift to assembly and integration. And Gartner predicts that by 2025, 70% of new applications developed by organizations will use low-code or no-code technologies, up from less than 25% in 2020. That's a huge jump, but of course, it's five years. In this podcast for Future CIO, we look at how low-code, no-code can help accelerate digital transformation and what it means for the IT team. Joining us are Mendix's CEO, Tim Schrock, and Vincent Lim, VP and Head for Asia-Pacific. Tim, Vincent, welcome to Podcast for Future CIO. Thank you. Tim, how would you define digital transformation in the context of applications that are being developed for the enterprise? Yeah, sure. I mean, you were already quoting, right, that um, by 2025, 70% of new application development will be through the means of low-code. And if you look at digital transformation, well, what are kind of the key pillars what you want to achieve, right? It's about increased efficiency, it's about agility, and it's about creating value for your customers and basically also uh, ultimately uh, deliver better experience for your customers. So, and if you look at the different varieties of, of these initiatives, I think there are four key pillars to that. One is about modernization of uh, IT. So we, we have that notion of keep the core clean. So right, how do you build on top of uh, existing core systems? It's about operational efficiency. So digitizing uh, processes, if you will. And then it, it's really moving beyond, let's say, the internal focus. And you, you go outside of your enterprise and think about, okay, look at better customer experience. So how do you deliver that? And how do you drive new innovation? and new offerings and all of that basically is or needs to be underpinned by a platform strategy and, and low code and no code basically delivers you that rapid prototyping right the agility you need and then also empowers a variety of stakeholders in your company to deliver on on those four key initiatives and, and that's why i think low code will be one of the critical factors in, in delivering on these digital transformation initiatives Vincent, so, what about you from, from an APAC yeah. perspective? So from an APAC perspective, everything that Tim just added is really relevant and applicable to the APAC region. In the past, most digital transformation or new trends would start in the West, in Europe, and then in US, and then APAC would tend to be a bit of a laggard. But in this age of new digital transformation phase, I think it's not the laggard period is getting shorter and shorter. And I believe that with two of the largest economies in the world, in China and Japan, I also see that that digital transformation will actually be leapfrogged. The APAC will be leapfrogging the, the West in time to come, right? So technologies to start there, initiate there, and then come to APAC, like it getting shorter. And I, I really believe and surveying the, the market, in especially in China, the number of application developers, technology uh, players, there's some very innovation stuff going there. And Tim, now low-code, no-code has been around since the 70s. What is different about low-code, no-code platforms in the 2020s? If you look at the evolution also for low-code and no-code, I, I think since then, obviously, we always talk about low-code has now crossed the chasm, right? So meaning, I think IT buyers, CIOs are considering it as one of the top choices as they think about their future architectural stacks. So I think the momentum is different. It, it's not anymore considered a trend, right? It's a paradigm shift. And I think we've passed that stage now. And now it's about, okay, how do you apply it in, in a sense? And I think the pandemic, right, this is one of those accelerators where I think every company now becomes 
comes to software company, but also every, every company needs to think about a digital first strategy and how to basically consume the data, right? They have in their enterprise to basically build better experiences. And so I think that's the main difference compared to uh, almost 50 years ago, if you will, or even uh, 10 years ago. I think both the pandemic, but also the overall underlying business trends have changed. And I think there are two key trends we see. I think a business needs to be composable as part of this digital first strategy. They need to think about how to increase the speed of change, how to adopt to new market environments much more quickly, right? And also how to capture opportunities through new technologies. And so they have to rethink the entire business architecture in the end and how they want to engage both with customers, but also with their broader ecosystem. And that's, I think, where, again, low-code comes in and to basically help those companies to respond much faster to these ever-changing market dynamics and environment. And so speed and agility, again, but also collaboration become key anchors of, of such a strategy. And I think that's the fundamental change we see compared to 10 or even uh, then 40, 50 years ago. Vincent, in your case, are Asian IT teams, including the CIOs, do they understand what low-code, no-code means and are they receptive to it? Alan, that's an extremely good question. I think two years ago, it was probably the education phase, two about two, three years ago. Some of the leading enterprises were studying it, evaluating it, piloting it. And as Tim said, the pandemic has actually accelerated many things. Just think about the lockdowns that we have. Think about need for agility. In Asia, there are tangible results that are, can be measured. And at the end of the day, it's not no longer a toy that you pilot and you experiment in a certain section of the organization. Companies CIOs and to Tim's uh, point, every company CEO is now digitally more literate than say three or four years ago even. They can see the tangible benefits of no-code, low-code uh, beyond just toy that they play around with. And I want to relate uh, something that really accentuates the difference between the no-code, low-code of the 70s, 80s. Uh, there's no consideration for user experiences then. Today is very popular if you do not have an application development capability for mobile. Forget about enticing your consumer and users to come in augmented reality stuff like that so I, I think that's a vast difference from the economic standpoint as well as from the user experience of course the technical standpoint if you were to summarize the whole thing just pick one one of the biggest benefits what would low code no code bring to an organization to help it accelerate transformation so I think, again, acceleration is one thing. I talk about agility, where market conditions change and maybe as what would take, you know, uh, maybe a, what we call the waterfall method. You plan for a long time and then after that, you implement. Right now, things like DevOps developing and operating at the same time, these are enabled by the low-code, no-code no platform. Agile methodology, being able to respond to ever-changing market conditions or, and, or changes in the environment. These are some of the specific benefits. Are So if you ask me, low-code, no-code platforms that allows an organization business strategy to be executed in a very agile, rapid fashion. So it goes beyond digital. It's not just about technical or IT anymore. It's actually about uh, business agility, business survivability. You know, you, you need to have the capability to, to be able to respond to competitive actions, uh, governance. So, so right now, you hear about companies not employing or making a policy not to employ the unvaccinated. Now, think about the implications of how 
you're going to implement this if you don't have a flexible application development capability like what low-code and no-code offers? I think building on what Vincent said, I think in the end, right, it's about competitive edge. Obviously, agility plays a big role so to respond fast, but it's also deliver modern experiences. I think it's it's one VC actually as, as most critical also in, in the customer engagements uh, we have. We see that think, uh, improved customer experience is actually a competitive edge. They even consider that as a primary di- differentiation. There's also benchmarks out there by NTT who confirm that, so that almost 6% of companies think that uh, customer experience is a primary differentiation. And then it becomes kind of a, a key theme to think about, okay, whom in the organization I need to involve that? And I think their low-code comes in, right? This combination of business and IT and basically coming together and delivering this experience. You're basically exploiting your entire enterprise, the knowledge you have in your entire enterprise as you build those applications and experiences. And I think that's key, um, this notion of collaboration, right? And and I think that is what I would consider the primary benefit of, of low-code, no-code. How can an organization avoid vendor locking when it comes to low-code, no-code? I think we're obviously in a lot of also competitive cycles, right? Where we, we sometimes maybe are replacing an existing competitor. So there's definitely the ability to transport existing applications. I, I don't think that is a concern today. I think most of those tools have a similar approach, but obviously there are key differentiations then in, in how you look at platform capabilities. But I, I would say you quoted Gartner earlier. Gartner, Gartner is also saying, right, by, by 2025, companies might deploy actually up to four low-code platforms. So I think that's something we have to think about in this notion of low-code and no-code, there's obviously that notion of citizen developer, right, where you also look at uh, operational efficiency and and office type of applications, so more simple applications. And then there's an evolution into uh, low-code where you can then also build much more complex applications. And in the end, I think part of a platform strategy is always openness, right? We need to both collaborate with competitors, with partners, and I think that's the way we approach it. If everybody or some people within the organization who are not part of IT start developing their own applications to enable them to do something better, doesn't that preclude the buildup of shadow IT within the organization? There is low code and no code, and there's the Mendix uh, way of doing. And what we have done from the very outset is to design a platform in which basically it's a platform that is controlled by IT. That means the CIO is the one that enables the platform. So a platform has got an ecosystem, an ecosystem within the internal organization, as well as allowing integration to external systems. That's what a platform is. So the Mendix platform, as what Tim alluded to, is a platform that enables collaboration and what in effect is we allow this concept of a citizen developer with little training in coding to be able to develop simple applications then there is maybe the intermediate ones with some low code at the same in the same platform we've got the professional developers and all of these the platform allows collaboration amongst these different stakeholders now the beauty of that is that yes we empower the end users on one end because they've got the subject matter expert and therefore we basically eliminate the chasm between the programmer and the business user. And that, Gartner has said, accounts for 40% of applications having the first iteration completely redone, right? It means the first iteration, 40% of those have to be redone because they don't see eye to eye. But by empowering the citizen developer, the application iteration becomes uh, shorter, time becomes, uh, I I guess, more optimized. So that's the, the platform. This is a platform that allows shadow IT, but at the same time enables the CIO to keep uh, in control. 
If we're looking at what Gartner said, three years from now, low-code, no-code will be at 70% of organizations. There will likely be at least more than one platform being used by an organization. So, Tim, is it possible that if you're saying that Mendix is a platform that's that's controlled by IT oversight, but allowing citizen development to continue to go on with, again, with oversight from IT, how do you then say if another department, say purchasing, decides to deploy a different brand platform? How do you ensure that the two are connected and that CIO still has some oversight over both? I think it's a fair concern. Obviously, I think today the governance control features you would have uh, as part of the Mendix platform would focus on all the applications you build build on that platform. But I think it's a valid point. I think that's one to explore how you create this oversight in the sense that you cannot only monitor the applications uh, you've built with Mendix, but all the applications out there in, in your landscape. And again, the, the benefit we have is that the way we look at governance and control, we have a, a feature called portfolio management where you basically see all the application in, the, in your landscape. And obviously, there would be the op- optionality to extend that beyond Mendix applications. And we've launched two years back an offering called Data Hub, which basically provides a catalog of all the data in your enterprise and all the endpoints you have in, in your enterpri- enterprise in a visual way. And I think that's the next iteration, if you will, so where you combine the application development with data, because data is, in the end, the key asset you have in, in your enterprise. And if you basically have the visibility through Data Hub going forward, that's, I think, how IT on top of of the core local platform will actually have the visibility and the governance and uh, to yeah, stay on top of that. So while we provide technology, we provide tools, we provide a platform, actually a very important benefit that we give to our largest enterprises are the expert services, both within Mendix as well as with our ecosystem partners that complement and augment the Mendix platform technology. And we frame all of this into four P's, right? The first one would be on the platform. What is the platform that is suitable, for example, for this particular enterprise in this particular vertical? There are some nuances there we, we can tweak with the platform. The second is the portfolio. What are the portfolio of applications, including the applications that are already in existence in another department that the CIO or the applications development head would be building, developing in the course of the next two, three years, right? Or two, three cycles. In fact, two, three years seems to be quite long time for most organizations. They look at uh, quarters. The third P would be what we call people. The way when we believe through our experience, uh, we have been in the business for 17 years. We believe that the way you organize the teams, the people within the organization, plus its stakeholders, including suppliers, as well as customers, has a very important bearing on maximizing the benefit of low-code, no-code, specifically uh, for Mendix. And the fourth P is the processes. How do you do the process within the organization? When a end user has already developed the application, how does it then go to some of the, of the testing? These are all provided in there. So the four Ps and then how we start the application journey to structuring it before scaling it. So that's the expert services in conjunction with our partners that we open and help our customers on because that's the way Mendix has been designed to fully take advantage of that. The expert services enable customers to maximize the benefits. How should the CIO and CISO work together to ensure that any application developed as a result of low-code, no-code are scalable and secured? 
Yeah, so I, I think it's it's a key question uh, we also run into, um, especially also in the, in the manufacturing context. So if you look at manufacturing, you see they're even more concerned about uh, security. But I think that if you look at security, there are kind of five pillars, I would say. One is organization and, and compliance. So how do you think about information security in your organization? And that's always something where CISO has to basically partner with the CIO. So I think that's more overall organizational. And then I think you dive into application development specific. So one being uh, platform security. So the platform you're basically choosing obviously needs to be secure. The way we look at it from a Mendix perspective, we provide one of the most secure platforms out there. We have 15 certifications where we basically have third-party assessors conducting audits on an annual basis. That's how we make sure, okay, the offering we give to the customer is secure. Uh, and then there are a couple of things, how we enable security. So from a platform perspective, it's, it's about user management in the end. And in an application context, it's, it's really that we have a role-based role-based access model, meaning you can actually, as a CIO and CISO, define a role-based access, which I think is key to not just basically have the platform secure, but then also on, on an application development. And then, as I would say, both on platform security and, and security model itself, there's again a strong uh, overlap between the two. And then it's about runtime and, and cloud security, where I would say that's more in, in the CIO space. But if you basically assess those five pillars comprehensively, we are of the opinion that you have one of the most secure platforms out there. And then obviously we can integrate into identity services and then so on and so forth to make sure you can also basically leverage existing tool set or tools like uh, tech stack you have available in your company and can make choices there as well to pick the most secure option out there. And again, it's about ecosystem approach, right? How you have a strategy where you can integrate with these type of platforms. I wanted to ask one last question to both of you here. For organizations, I'm shopping, I'm a CIO, I'm shopping around for low-code, no-code. I heard a lot of good things about it. What would be the top three questions that I should be asking any vendor, whether it's Mendix or somebody else comes to me saying, we provide low-code, no-code. Vincent, why don't we start with you? One is, we all know that everyone's going to the cloud. So is the technology built on cloud? Is it cloud native? And of course, uh, we just now, earlier on, we, we spoke about the importance of the customer experience and that's where mobility comes in. So is it native to a mobile? Sometimes you can see, right now I can clearly see an application is not a mobile native. You can see there's a different experience uh, versus one that is developed using mobile uh, native technology. So that's one. The second aspect is, of course, earlier on, I mentioned about the number of startups that have come. Many have also folded, as you know, it's the high-tech characteristic of many high-tech companies. They come and then they, they don't stand the test of time, maybe because the market has shifted. How much history does this vendor has proven from before? And where do you think this vendor is going to be in, in the years coming? What's their roadmap, right? What's the completeness of their vision? And of course, the ability to execute. The third one, and these are my three, at least in Asia, Pack is, okay, what are the customer references you have? Most companies don't want to be the guinea pig. I say most, there are some that believe that by partnering and being in the pioneer stage, they can have uh, some advantage by being the first mover. Yeah, I think it's, it's, I would also summarize it with three points and let's pick three S's. So one is security. I think it's, it's one you already brought up. I think it's a key component, especially if you think about you want to build enterprise grade applications, right? And you want to be in the core of these enterprises. So it needs to be secure. 
think the second one is scalability. I think if you look at those no-code vendors, you have to think about can they actually scale beyond the simple application development? And we think there's a notion of no-code and low-code where you need to play it together, right? Where you start on the no-code side with citizen developer, but eventually can extend with pro developers or, or more skilled developers on, on the no, uh, low-code side so that you can build actually complex enterprise type of applications. And that's also what we see in, in our landscape where people basically run their entire logistic process on the Manix platform. So we have the Dutch postal service who runs the entire parcel business on the Manix platform. And this is really where we think about scale, right? And in, in the end, and if Gartner is right, right, and 70% of these applications are developed through low code, you have to think about scalability. And the third one is support. In, in a sense, it's not just about the building phase, but also kind of how you want to maintain these type of applications. So you have to think about how is your vendor supporting you in, in, in that journey, but also what are offerings like Vincent described, right, on, on the expert services side or what I would call training academy to make sure you can skill up your workforce, right? And, and there you, you should also look for a vendor who has a good ecosystem of partners who can support you, but also the, the vendor itself. So I think in the end, it's, it's about security, scalability, and then also the support you get from the vendor. Because in the end, we're alluding to the fact right digital transformation is about change management so you want to have a partner who supports you and accompanies you on, on that journey tim vincent thank you for joining me on podcast for future cio thank you Alan, thank for you your time. that was tim schrock ceo for mendix and vincent lim vice president and head of asia pacific also from mendix on the topic of how to integrate low code no code into your transformation journey you are listening in the podcast for future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now. Music